I'm going to be reading from Psalms 100. I'm going to be reading 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning again. It's good to see you this morning. If you'll open your Bible to what Miss Elizabeth just read, Psalm 100. We're going to camp out there this morning. So this is, a, this is a really short psalm. We've got five verses. We're going to make it through. So when you leave here, you can tell your friends we covered a whole chapter in church this morning, a whole chapter. So here's the deal. Just kind of get your bearings on Psalm 100. It comes at the end. It's a bookend of a group of psalms, Psalm 96 through Psalm 90. Nine. And Psalm 96 through 99 are what are referred to as enthronement psalms, right? Sounds really important, enthronement psalms. Now, Psalm 95 is kind of the introduction to these enthronement psalms, and then Psalm 100 bookends these psalms. And Psalm 100 kind of gives us a, a summation, if you will, of what has been going on in this group of psalms called the enthronement psalms. Psalms. You just need to say that this morning. Can you say enthronement? That's a good one. You kind of got to think about that. You got to enunciate a little bit. What are these enthronement psalms about? Well, there's interesting debate about how exactly uh, they were used in terms of the specifics, but there is some things that, were, that, were, that are known about these psalms. And what they were used for is there was a regular occurrence amongst God's covenant people where God's rule, his reign, was proclaimed again, or his rule was proclaimed as new. And the reign of God was announced on a regular occurrence as good news. So God's people would come together and they would announce that, that God is God, that he reigns, and this was good news. This was cause for celebration. And what Psalm 100 is going to tell us, but what these enthronement psalms walk us through is that the proper response to the reign of God, the good news of his reign, was singing, was praise, was this eruption mechanics of exactly how this worked, yeah, was that got a debate and question on. But the, but the main thrust of this was that God's people would gather together and there would be a liturgy, there would be an order to the proclaiming of God's reign. And they would proclaim God's reign. They would look back on all that God has done. They would tell the story looking back on God's faithfulness. They would tell the story of his presence continued with an expectation for the continued reign of God and for his continued faithfulness. Their eyes were moved forward in expectation to the faithfulness of God by looking back and looking into the moment that he reigned, he reigns, and he will reign, and that's cause for celebration. Now, right here at the middle of Psalm 100, the psalmist is gonna tell us something that we need to learn. 
The central part of this psalm is something that we need to be taught. It's something that we need to learn. So go to verse three. In verse three, it says, know. That word is really important. This is, it tells us that we're being taught something here. Know, there is knowledge that we need. Know that the Lord, he is God It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So the psalmist says right here in the middle of Psalm 100 that there is something that is crucial for you to know. I love the literal translation. If you were just to read this straight from Hebrew, here's what it would say. Know that Yahweh, he is God. He made us and not we. His people are we and the sheep of his pasture. The central thing that we're to know in Psalm 100 is that Yahweh is God. What's he like? Go to verse five. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So what is this Psalm teaching us? First, that Yahweh is God and that this God, that Yahweh is good that his steadfast love endures forever and he is faithful, not just now, but to all generations. What else are we supposed to know? That he made us. I love the literal translation, he, not we. (laughs) He made us and he didn't just make us and leave us, he made us and we are the sheep of his pasture. He made us and called him to himself and tends to us. And this is key, this is essential. Right here in the middle of the verse, everything hinges on the knowledge of these truths. If we don't know these things, the whole thing collapses, but we are to know that Yahweh is God. Listen, these are core elements of a biblical worldview. These few verses are core elements of a biblical worldview. And these, I would, I would tell you, are some of the most contested truths in the world around us. It seems simple. It seems that to read that Yahweh is God, that he's good, and that his love endures forever, we just take that with a grain of salt. We move on in church. But these, if you go out into the world, are some of the most contested truths that you will come across. And what do I mean by that? Well, we don't say that Yahweh is God in the world. Who do we say? We say humanity is God. Humanity is God, and we are not his. He has not created us, but we are the product of random cosmic events. We are not the sheep of his pasture. We don't, do you see that? There's belonging. We don't belong to him. We belong to no one except our own self-determined reality and future. You ever heard that? You ever heard any of that? Most of the ideologies that you're going to run across out in the world today can be simplified and boiled down into those simple statements. The rejection of Yahweh is God, the rejection of us as his creation, and the rejection of our belonging to and needing to have allegiance to him. The knowledge that the psalmist gives us here right here in the middle of Psalm 100 is absolutely crucial. It's something that we need to know. But their knowledge here, our knowledge, is not meant to be just knowledge. The whole psalm is a psalm full of action. This isn't just knowledge to say, oh, I know that Yahweh is God. That built into this psalm is a responding to the knowledge. You with me? That Yahweh is God. 
Now, I wanna ask you something this morning. I wanna just kind of give you a little trivia here, and you can, uh, you can think about this, but as you drove into the parking lot, how many of you thought about how you were gonna come in today? How many of you thought, this is the way that I'm gonna come into God's house. I'm gonna come in a very certain way, and, that, and, I, and I'm gonna think about it. And you're like, yeah, I thought about it in a hurry because we were late. That's how we were gonna come in. <laughs> we were running. I saw you. I actually have a window to the parking lot. I see. <laughs> I'm not gonna say any names, but I see. I'm just playing. But so the point is, right, do we think about how we're gonna come in? What, what am I talking about? Do we think about our attitude? Do we think about the posture of our heart? Do we think about the way in which we're gonna come into a space like this. No, we don't. The truth is that many of us don't. I'm guilty as any of you. We come here, we don't think about the way in which we're gonna come. Our view is that I'm gonna show up if it's convenient. I'm gonna show up if it's convenient. Depending on how I feel, I'm gonna show up. And if I show up, I sure hope God does something. I sure hope that preaching is good. I sure hope they play that song. I sure hope God does something. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna show up. Kids, I want you to look in your bags. You've got this fun little deal, and parents, the smaller it is, the more excited you get. I know that's true. There's this little bitty bag of beads. They're tiny. Can you guys see this from, from out there if you don't have a kid's bag? These are called water beads, okay? These are called water beads, and I loathe. I'm using a word there on purpose. I do not like these things in my home. I like clean and tidy and these, okay. But these are great. <laughs> and these tiny little beads, here's what you're gonna do, kids, when you're gonna go home, and, and I started this this morning, and it kind of looks probably to you and a lot to me like a blur. <laughs> it looks like a bluish, purplish blur. But what I did is about, uh, I don't know, three hours ago, I poured these little beads into this water. And if we wait long enough, I won't preach long enough, so smile, but we, I'm not gonna preach long enough for this to happen. But what, if you wait long enough, what's gonna happen is these tiny little beads are gonna, are gonna balloon up. They're gonna grow and they're gonna become like this squishy little, pretty little ball. They're gonna absorb the water that's in here. The water will be gone and they will become just like this jar of pretty little beads. And you can make all sorts of stuff. That, I, I don't know, go to Pinterest or something to figure it out. But the point is, here's the point. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's a great picture of the way in which we often come into God's house. This is a great picture of a consumer-based mentality when it comes to church. And what do I mean by that? Well, these beads are not going to do anything in this bag. They are not gonna change one iota in this bag. What do they require? They require a very specific environment. And only in a very specific environment is there gonna be any sort of change. And doesn't that sound an awful lot like the way that you and I go to church? We require a very specific environment. Instead of making a decision about how we're gonna come in, what we're thinking about most often is whether or not the environment will be perfect. 
Will it all be right? Will the right amount of people smile at me? Will, the, will everybody be wearing the right things? Will the Sunday school teacher end their lesson on time? Will the childcare people be smiling? And will that one kid that always comes with a runny nose be there or not? And will the music be right? And will the preacher not ramble on like he always says he's not gonna do, but then he does every single week? Right? The point is, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we saying to God when we come in like that? I want the environment to be like so. And if it's like so, then I might change. Then there might be transformation. But the environment, the water, has got to be right. But notice in the psalm, it says nothing about the right environment as it relates to our response. It doesn't say anything about your circumstances, about what happened yesterday. It doesn't say anything about the way that you feel this morning. None of that is in there and as it relates to the way in which we are gonna come before the Lord. It is simply based on the knowledge of reality and the knowledge that Yahweh is God and that we belong to him. Just that knowledge, that truth that, by the way, never changes. That knowledge and that knowledge alone is the thing that sets in motion the response of God's people. Now, I'm not for a minute saying that our circumstances and our feelings don't matter to God. But what I am saying is that they are not to be the thing which determines our action. They are not to be the thing which determines the way in which we are gonna come together. And by the way, one of the, thing, one of the reasons why I think we so often stay stuck in the rut of our circumstances and in our feelings is that we don't determine ourselves to do the things that this psalm is telling us to do. And it's not that God is saying, if you'll just perform right, then I'll bring change. But what God has said is if you will praise, you will be amazed at how that changes the way that you think about reality. You will be amazed at how that changes your heart. And when the way that you think and the way that your heart is constructed begin to change, how many of you know that's going to impact your circumstances and your feelings? You with me? So we don't praise based on how we feel. We don't praise based on our set of circumstances. We praise because Yahweh is God. So let's look at this psalm. Specifically, let's look at what is the response of God's people to the claim, to the truth, to the knowledge that Yahweh is God. Well, Let's start in verse one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. So make, what are we making? We're making a joyful noise. This literally means to raise a shout. Volume is part of this word. The point here is that when we make a joyful noise, we're using language and sound to respond to who he is. I just wanna tell you that I believe that the sound of joy should be heard anytime we meet together. I didn't say the sound of music. You hear me? I said the sound of joy. Joy should be heard from this house. 
Verse two says, serve the Lord with gladness. Again, why? Yahweh is God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve literally means to work for another. To serve means to use the work and the labor that is in my capacity, but not for myself. To serve means that my work is targeted at the service of another. Serve the Lord. And this is to understand that my creativity, my labor, my problem solving, my blood, sweat, and tears are in service to Yahweh, who is God. Serve the Lord, and here's the catch, with. You see that? You're bringing something to work every day. It's called gladness. How many of you brought it this week? Raise your hand if you went to work with gladness. And no one said, amen. Okay. (laughs) Gladness here in the Hebrew is connected to pleasure, but not a carnal and physical pleasure. Gladness is referring to a deep down satisfaction. Well, satisfaction is something that happens in the heart. It's that deeper thing. It's that taking a deep breath and knowing that the service of my hands are not about me, that they are on behalf of God and they are on behalf of the other. And when we serve the Lord in gladness, what we're doing is we're acknowledging the fact that I was created for my work in alignment with those to be in service to the king and his kingdom. And when we're in right alignment with those two things, working and serving with gladness because it's unto the Lord, there is a deep satisfaction. Regardless of the type of labor of my hands, regardless of the way in which God uses me, but I am in service all of myself to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is knowing that my work is glorifying him that brings about the satisfaction, not where I'm working. And just as an aside, there are many of us that I hear in this day and age that are looking for gladness to come from where you are working. And you are forgetting that gladness comes from who you are in service to. You with me? If you're looking for gladness in where you are working, friend, you will not find it. But if you will look for the Lord where you're working, you will find this thing called gladness, satisfaction. Verse two, come into his presence with singing. The word come into his presence literally means to face him. Think about this, to face him. To face him how? With singing. Singing, well, I don't have to do much translation. It's literally a joyful noise coming from your lips. It's the use of language in a song. But it says, face him with a song. So what do you have to be doing to face him with a song? Say singing. It doesn't say face him and then sing. Face him with a song means bring a song with you before the Lord. Why? Oh my goodness, the anticipation of seeing the face of our great God ought to bring something of praise from our lips. Anybody here? Amen. Enter, verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates. This is a picture of his kingdom. 
This is a picture of coming into the place where God reigns. Remember, this is about declaring the reign of God. To enter is to cross a boundary into his domain. It's a picture of his city, of his dwelling place, of his kingdom. How many of you know that you and I have been rescued from one place to another? We've been brought from a place that was not his. We've been rescued from what the Bible says is a domain of darkness, but we've been delivered into a new city, a new place, a place that is called God's kingdom where he rules and reigns. You and I have been brought and delivered out of the domain of darkness by the blood of Jesus and into the kingdom of the beloved son in whom there is redemption, the forgiveness of sin. And so... (laughs) And so, verse four, we ought to enter with thanksgiving. Why? Because we're only there as a result of his rescue. Come on. We are coming into his presence, into his gates, not because we woke up and decided to someday, but because God rescued us by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so we come with thanksgiving. Verse four, give thanks to him. Bless his name. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So we said we were supposed to enter with thanksgiving. And I want you to just picture this. We just, we just said enter with thanksgiving, but then thanksgiving is used again, that it's to be given. So here's the deal. How do we come into God's kingdom? How do we walk in? What's in our hands? Thanksgiving. We come into his gates because we've been rescued. We come into his gates with our hands full of thanksgiving. And then when we get in, what do we do with our hands? We open our hands and what do we cast before him? What is it that we surrender to him, that thanksgiving that we brought in? It is literally a picture, the language is a picture of a physically with your hands bringing, carrying into his presence thanksgiving. What, were in, what was in your hands this morning? When you woke this morning, what was it? What was it that was in your hands? When you got out of the car and walked into the parking lot this morning, what were you holding? What's in our hands as we come into his presence? What is in our hands is what we will give him. And if we brought in this morning our demands and our expectations and all that we said that we want, then that is what we will give him. Come into his gates. God, here's what I have for you. This is what you're gonna do. (laughs) And it better be right. Now that sounds problematic next to the statement that Yahweh is God. But if Yahweh is God, I don't come in with what I want and my demands. I come in with thanksgiving so that when I'm in, what I'm releasing to him, what I'm giving to him is the thanksgiving that he deserves because he has rescued me. And then it all wraps up. Look at verse four. Bless his, what's that word? Name. This matters. The name 
matters. The name is where it all holds together. All of this psalm holds together in the name. What is the name? Yahweh. And he is God. That's the central point of the whole psalm. And verse five describes the nature of Yahweh, who is God, but it's all about the name, the name that is above every name, the name who at the speaking of the name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It all works itself around the name. This is the climax. This is what holds it all together. All of this hangs on whose name is the focal point. Bless his name. But I think so much of the time we come in and we want our name to be the name that receives blessing and honor and praise. And we don't say it that way, do we? We don't come in and go, I'd really like to receive worship this morning. Instead of worshiping Yahweh, I'd like for folks to say it, sub my name in on the songs. That's not what we say. But if we could peel back the layers of the way that we're thinking, of our expectations, of the position and the posture of our heart, of the way that we treat one another, whose name? Whose name? is at the bottom of all of that. Because whose name really matters? Is it the name of Yahweh or is it mine? Have I been entertained? Have I been, oh, we use this one a lot. Have I been fed? We like that one. That's Christianese for did someone teach me something? Whose name is at the center of those statements. Is it the name of Yahweh? Or is it ours? But I wanna tell you what these practices do, listen, these are a resistance. These are a resistance to our flesh and the world. But here's the sad reality of the way that we typically come in. The sad reality is that instead of making a joyful noise, we might make a noise or a mumble. (laughs) Instead of coming into his presence with singing, we come into his presence with skepticism and with our guard way up. (laughs) Instead of serve the Lord with gladness, we serve only once a month. And as long as it fits my strengths profile. You with me? Instead of entering his gates with thanksgiving, we enter with expectations. And as long as the weekend wasn't too full before we arrived at Sunday. Instead of give thanks to him, we give our opinion on the sermon and the music and whatever that guy was wearing. Come on. Oh, you're laughing. It must mean it doesn't happen here. Smile. Listen. Instead of bless his name, we bless our name. Bless is talking about who do we kneel to. We bless our name. But listen, to live like the way 
the psalmist has described here, again, is a resistance to our flesh and the world. I promise you that left unchecked, you want to glorify yourself. Our flesh is bent towards self-glorification. Without the help of God's spirit, every single one of us will bless our own name and not his name. But these practices are a resistance to our flesh and the world. I want you to think about your situation. I want you to think about the way that you think and the way that you feel and the circumstances that you're in. And I want you to imagine how the trajectory of those things might look different if these practices, these responses became part of your normal reality. It's not a long list. But what if you woke every day and made a joyful noise? What if you verbally made a noise that acknowledged that Yahweh is God and you praised him for it? What if you sang a song in the morning? What if you, in the morning when you rose, what if you took two minutes and thanked him for who he was and how he's worked in your life and thanked him for the way you've seen him at work in the lives of the people around you? What if you did that? <laughs> what if you blessed at the beginning of the day, not your name? What if you didn't start with your agenda? What if you started by blessing, kneeling to, getting before and adoring the name of the Lord your God? What might look different in your situation? Not because God is a genie in the bottle that if we do these right things, he changes our situation. That's not what I mean. But how might praise and thanksgiving and the blessing of his name over and over and over and over and over again, how might that reshape the way we think and process the world around us? How might that impact the way you see the world? How might that impact your heart to reject the blessing of your name and to bless his name on purpose every day? You think your heart might shift a little bit? You think the internals might change? And if the internals started to change, how might you see differently that hard situation you're in? You with me? What would change in this room? What would change in here if this is the way we came to church? Come on. What if we came to church like this? What if you pictured yourself walking in from the parking lot with your hands full of thanksgiving? Why? Because moments before, you'd thought about all the things that God has done. And when you get in front of the people that know him and praise his name, you're gonna unleash all of the thanksgiving that you've been storing up right alongside the other person that's been ready all week to unleash thanksgiving. What if we got in here and the sound and the rumble of our praise shook this house? Do we have anything to thank him for? Do we have anything to put in our hands to bring to him this morning? And what kind of shout might erupt from this room if we just took the time to think about it? And instead of coming in grumbling, that doesn't happen at this church. I just am saying at other churches, if people wouldn't come in grumbling, 
and in a bad mood and frustrated and all the things. Like, what if you just, okay, good. You had a bad weekend. Put that in your pocket and hang on to it for just a minute. Put Thanksgiving in your hands and see how the release of your Thanksgiving might change the way you take your bad moment out of your pocket and deal with it later on that day. Come on, are you guys in church this morning? Man, I wanna come to a house like that on a Sunday. Check this out. How might it change the, the world? How, what might it look like for somebody that doesn't know Jesus to walk, out, walk in here and hear that sound? <laughs> what might it be like for somebody to meet your praise and go, who are these people? <laughs> but I want some of that. Because I know that he's dealing with inflation too. I know he's as broke as me. And I know he's paying the same at the pump and for oranges that I am. But he's singing. And I'm cursing. All right, invitation time. How are we going to deal with this? I think you know. <laughs> Would you stand? Here's, a, here's an invitation. I just, this, it was super simple, five verses. And if you need to literally, if you need to put your phone up uh, in front of you or your Bible just like this while we're singing and you just need to reread these five verses, I would, I would totally recommend it. Just put that Bible right up in front of your face as you're singing like it's a hymnal. Those of you that have been around, you know how to do that, right? You, <laughs> I want you to think about the list. I want you to think about the list. And none of that list, none of, none of it is connected to how you feel right now or what's going on in your life. And it's not that God doesn't care about that stuff. But God intends for first things to be first. And the first thing is know that I am God. And I am good. And you are mine and I will love you forever. Come on, start there and praise him for it. Use your lips this morning to praise him for what he is and for the fact that that will never change and just start there. What might shift in your heart and in your mind this morning? to make a joyful noise before the Lord, to serve him with gladness, to come into his presence with singing, to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to give thanks to him and to bless his name. I want you to know that we do all of that in surrender by allowing the Holy Spirit to have lead and control of our lives. We don't do it on accident. We do it by yielding. So my prayer for you this morning, would you just be prayed over, just receive whatever it is that God wants to say. My, my prayer this morning, Father, is that all of us would, would take just a deep breath and would just yield our mind and our heart, our hands, our feet, our words to you, Holy Spirit. And our prayer is that in this house, in this moment, that you would help us to sing. Help us to praise. 
Help us to with our lips declare of your faithfulness. Help us to give you thanks. God, would you change us? Not because the environment's perfect, but God, would you change us because you are God and you are good and we are the sheep of your pasture. And all of God's house said, Amen. If you want to spend some time up here on your face, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pray with somebody this morning, we'll have our prayer partners that are just outside these double doors and those double doors as well. I just pray that you would respond to whatever it is that God is saying to you. Amen.